We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to Sermons with Rabbi David Seth Kirchner, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. One of the uh, things that I suffer from is high blood pressure. Now, my weight doesn't help my high blood pressure, but most of my high blood pressure comes from genetics. My father had high blood pressure, my grandfather had high blood pressure, and it was one of the many beautiful gifts that my parents handed down to me and my siblings. I remember as I got older, when I first got diagnosed and had to start taking medicine for high blood pressure, the doctor said to me, you know, high blood pressure is the silent killer. It's a silent killer because most people don't know they have it and it does so much damage to you silently in your body. And it was known in the medical world as the silent killer. But I think that there actually is a new one. It's no longer high blood pressure that gets to hold that moniker. I think the new one is mental illness. First it was Robin Williams. Then in one week it was Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain who all chose to take their own life, which proved to all of us that depression is not limited to the underprivileged. It's not limited to people who we think have to be in homes. Depression, mental illness, is as indiscriminating as the weather, as a violent snowstorm or a gorgeous day. My oldest brother of blessed memory took his own life, so I am too familiar with this topic. I know that it leaves unending wakes of pain, of hurt, of questions, and what-ifs that all the survivors are left with after that irrevocable deed is done. Nothing, nothing good comes from taking one's own life. Perhaps for the afflicted, they can be free, we can hope, of all of those pains and burdens and troubles that plagued them their whole life and that were inescapable for them. But still, committing suicide leaves more questions than answers. It leaves a lot more pain than relief. And it leaves more tears and sadness that do not diminish with time. But if anything can come from these deaths of well-known personalities, I pray that it will be shedding light on the serious nature of mental illness in our world and how pervasive it has become in our society. As a congregational rabbi who has a very unique peephole into people's lives, I can claim with a lot of certainty that almost every family in this community is dealing with someone who is suffering from some form of a mental challenge or mental health issue. These illnesses do not discriminate between religions, between color, between sex or race. Depression is the most noted one, 
that I witness. But I've seen my share of paranoia, of obsessive compulsive disorder, of anxiety and bipolar, which all are rampant in communities like ours and throughout this country and the world. The difference between this illness and say, cancer, is that too many of us still whisper mental illnesses and disorders, and we cover them up for fear of being outed and all of the stigma that comes with it. We're petrified that we're gonna be painted as crazy, weird, strange, and we're only two steps away from Nurse Ratchet overseeing our daily activities. But with cancer, we feel a different sense of empathy. We respond differently. We're much more hands-on. I'll give you an example. A handful of months ago, a member of our community sadly was afflicted with the diagnosis of breast cancer. Our community jumped into action when this young woman, this mother of three, had this diagnosis. Someone instantly volunteered to help with her kids' carpools while another person was deputized with running, shopping, household errands, and taking care of all the things that needed to be bought and kept up to date. Another person put together two Google lists. One that was a Google sign-up sheet for people who would keep the afflicted company while she was getting her chemo treatment so she wouldn't have to sit by herself. And the other one was a Google sign-up sheet of who was responsible for bringing dinner which night of the week for the next few months. I have to tell you that as a rabbi in a community, my heart was singing at the beauty of the way that people responded to this person in need and said, Hineni, I'm here. We're going to help you. I'm going to stand by your side. This is so indiscriminating, cancer. It could have happened to any of us, and I will be by your side throughout this entire process. All the things that are going to be stopped, arrested in your life, we will help pick up those pieces so that when you're healthy and well, it can continue smoothly and that your kids won't feel this arrest that you're feeling in your life. It was empathetic, it was humane, and it was beautiful. But wonder with me for a minute, because I wonder if that very same person were to say that she was suffering from depression and she couldn't get out of bed. Or if that very same person were to say, I'm suffering from obsessive compulsive disorder, and let's say she was hoarding, or let's say she couldn't get out of her house because her OCD was so strong that she felt that she needed to take exactly 14 steps from wherever she was to make it to the front door, and that she couldn't get that cadence down and it was paralyzing her, and she couldn't leave the house. Or maybe she had a different form of anxiety and she couldn't leave the house. If any of these things were afflicting the same person with the same kids, the same spouse, the same family, would we respond the same way? Would we make Google sign-up sheets? Would we keep them company outside of their therapist's office? Would we run errands to the pharmacy for them? Are we still whispering the name of these diseases and keeping a distance like they're contagious? Like if someone else has OCD and we're near them or we say it, that we can get it? Or someone else has depression and we help them that we could get depressed? Why is it that we take mental illness and we treat it like it's the cooties, that we don't want to catch it, 
We stay far away from those who are suffering from it. But when it comes to cancer or other illnesses that people might have, we're present. We're visible. We don't hide behind any bushes. What is that about? You know, there are so many factors that cause people to go into these spirals of mental illness. Most of it is something beyond our control. It's an illness. It's a chemical imbalance. It is not because they were living next to telephone wires or electrical poles or we can point to whatever else it was that caused this disease for them like we can sometimes, sometimes, in the cases of cancer, but not always. It's indiscriminating. It happens to people from genes, it happens from environment, it happens from all hosts of directions and reasons. But what we do know is that it's nothing new. That our community, and when I say our community, I mean the world as we know it from the time that we took a history of the world, has always suffered from these issues. We also know today that there are young people that are too often forced into spirals of depression, hopelessness, and despair. In particular, from the phenomenon of bullying that has caused so many other people, young people, who have unbridled hope and opportunity to take their lives as well. There are some cases even in the Bible of people who took their own life. Avimelech took his own life. Samson said he wanted to die with all the Philistines instead of living his life and dying naturally. Saul, in a moment of upset and despair, took out his sword and fell on it, which is where that phrase comes from. And when Saul's armor bearer, meaning his chief of staff, saw what he did, he was so upset he did the same thing. Achitophel was so upset at circumstances in life, he too took his own life. I share these stories with you not to show what a search on a Judaica website can do in pulling these up, but to remind us that from the time of the Bible until today and every generation in between, there have been people who suffered with mental challenges, some genetically and some by circumstance, that we have always wrestled with, but haven't been out in front of. We've been whispering, we've been quiet, and it's time for these people who died, these well-known people to shed light on what the everyday folk deal with in spades. And while we might think that Robin Williams had all the money in the world and all the humor in the world and all the recognition in the world, he was suffering and in pain. And while every woman would dream of a life like Kate Spade, showered in all types of fashion and opportunity and entrepreneurship, she was plagued and she was sick. And so too with Anthony Bourdain, and so too with my brother, and so too with people in our community, and friends and family and others, the thousands per day, who struggle with mental illness, and turn in their hopelessness and despair to a path of suicide. Well, I believe that no death should be in vain and that all of us should learn from every experience. So I think it's time for us to use this as a wake-up call for our communities and in the Jewish world 
to begin to address this epidemic for those who are afflicted with mental illness. And I want to share three ideas with all of you. The first thing we have to do is stop whispering. If you think about the LGBTQ community, mainly that started to blossom in San Francisco and New York in the middle of the 70s and the turn of the decade to the 80s, it all started when leaders encouraged others who were living closeted lives to come out. Now, I was born a heterosexual, so I have no idea what courage it must take, but I can only fathom for someone, especially in that time period, who was born a homosexual to have the courage to come out to their friends, to their spouses, to their children, to their coworkers, and to deal with all of the castigation that came as a result. But what that did was it paved the way for what we had a few years ago in marriage equality. It paved the way for your kids and my kids today to think that if two people are born a particular way and fall in love with each other, they should be permitted to each other, which I firmly believe, and have created it to be a norm, whereas a generation ago it wasn't. But that came from a sense of full-throatedness and saying, this is who I am, and this is how I was born, and we have accepted that. So we need to do the same thing and have those who are suffering or those who we know about if they're comfortable or were comfortable being more full-throated and less whispering if we choose to, that we don't have to whisper those diseases. By all means, I'm not telling people who are suffering from depression that they must stand up and tell the world what they're dealing with, but they shouldn't be as inhibited by what our reaction would be. Along those lines, we need a ribbon. As simple as that sounds, we need a ribbon. Autism Speaks has a puzzle piece that they wear. Anyone who's wearing a pink ribbon knows it's for breast cancer awareness. A red one is for AIDS awareness. When you tie a yellow ribbon on, it's for MIAs and POWs. The NFL, the National Football League, a man's man sport, dedicates an entire month to breast cancer awareness. The players wear pink gloves and pink shoes and they paint the end zones pink so that more and more people can be aware of this physical illness and ailment. What if we had a ribbon, whatever colors left and available, to draw awareness to mental illness? Imagine if baseball or football or soccer would dedicate a week, yet alone a month, to those who are suffering from these challenges as opposed to continuing to push it in the closet and stigmatize those who are dealing with this issue. That is really critical. That will help draw awareness as well. There's a phrase of wearing our feelings on our shirt sleeves. That's where the notion of these ribbons come from on our lapels. And it will help in curbing, not curing, but curbing this epidemic. Thirdly, it's not contagious, ladies and gentlemen. Someone in our lives or our friends who are suffering, us being near them will not make us suffer too. It's not easy to deal with friends and family who are suffering from mental illness. It's really hard. As one doctor once told me, it's like changing the wheels on a moving train. We don't know how to perfect that dance. We've got it down perfect when someone has breast cancer, 
We have it down perfect when someone has a heart attack or a stroke. Google sign-up sheets and keeping company all helps us in that process. It's easy, but it's so, so much harder when you're dealing with this mental illness. The first thing that we can do is break the stigma by not being worried that it's contagious, that it can hurt us, that will reflect on us in a particular way. We start with presence, being physically present, and secondly, with empathy. And if we know that our hearts are addressed in the right place, it can start to help those a little more who are afflicted. Lastly, and perhaps most importantly, know the numbers. When I say know the numbers, I don't mean the statistics. I mean no phone numbers of people who can help. Because you and I, we are not trained to help those who suffer with mental challenges up to certain degrees. We can help with errands and chores and being supportive. But mental illness is a serious problem. And just like you and I might be great making dinner for someone who needs it, we can't administer chemo. So too, for those who are suffering from mental illness and can't seem to find their own way out. We don't have to wear a cape. We don't have to have the solution. It's not gonna do it. We can't just tell them, walk 16 steps to the door, forget the 14, you'll be fine. It's not that easy. It's not that easy to tell a hoarder, just throw everything out, it will be okay. It seems simple for us, but we would never say to a cancer patient, just think positively, you'll be fine. Know who to call and know when to call and use the resources around you to help those who are sick. It's beyond our pay grade to have a level of expertise that will solve this problem. It's not for us to solve. It's for us to curb, but for us to curb as family and friends, not as physicians. They're trained, we're not. But don't be afraid to reach out to them and to foster their help, their direction, their guidance, and their support. I imagine that Kate Spade's daughter, Robin Williams' wife, and Anthony Bourdain's family feels exactly like I do. I've just had more time to digest it. What we would do for another day or week or month with my brother or their loved one. But we know what we know, which is we can never bring them back. But what we can do is we can ensure, as best as we can, that others who we care and love about don't have to endure this in the future. We're not going to solve the epidemic of suicide, just like we're not going to cure cancer tomorrow. But we can address it and be supportive and feel good about what our role is as human beings, as Jews, as people who value life and choose life to bring life to those who are suffering. Try these small steps. Make your life and our world a place so that people can feel like it's worth living for them here. Support those who are dealing with these mental illnesses by not whispering anymore, by wearing it on your sleeve, by finding the help where possible, and by being physically present for them. Judaism tells us we should always choose life. 
But for those who are suffering from this disease, it's not that they are not choosing life. The rabbis, 100 years ago, got away with the tradition of burying those who committed suicide in a separate part of the cemetery. Even the ultra-Orthodox don't do it anymore, and they do that because they say anyone who would take their own life must be ill, and that illness is no different than that of cancer. But they should choose life. We should choose life. We should fight. And fighting mental illness is totally different than fighting a stroke or fighting high blood pressure or fighting cancer. But it doesn't mean that we should walk away from the fight. We have a role, we have a responsibility, and it's our job to help choose life for ourselves and for those that were near. If anything, let's ensure that those who died didn't die in vain and that we can make this difference so that our world is indeed a world that we help others worth living for. Shabbat Shalom, everyone.